Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Welcome to Crunch Time. With the shadow of Franklin around, picked up by Papley, gave it to Warner, open goal, beckons, and he hits it, found the mark. And the Swans are into celebration mode again. Papley will take it. And Stevens, who one minute ago was defending the defensive goals, is able to run this through for the Swans' eighth goal. And they are running all over the top of the Western Bulldogs. And it stays in the field of play, which means Heaney can cruise through and kick a wonderful goal. Blakey took it and he is away. Sheer pace through the middle. Two <laughs> bounces. Catch him if you can. And, and now Franklin's in the firing line and he drags down the mark at half forward. Great transition play. But he goes around and gave it to Papley who finishes it off. <laughs> Siren sounds. And the last quarter was rather academic because the Sydney Swans had already done the damage. Back on the winner's list. A topsy-turvy season continues. But at the moment, they're in the eight, and they are still likely finalists because their best is very good. So sort of look at all, all sorts of things in AFL footy, but if you sustain that heat and contest and pressure and, um, and you're able to do that for the four quarters, I mean, particularly against a midfield that's you know, elite, you know, their midfield's absolute elite. And, um, they're able to, they've been able to kick some big scores over the last sort of six weeks off the back of you know, getting plenty of the ball. So, um, yeah, we were really pleased with that. The Swans dial up the heat to melt the Western Bulldogs at the SCG. From a grand final to no finals, Bevo's boys now in grave danger of sitting out September. Campbell to Stengel, who couldn't break away. Selwood does. Gave to Guthrie. Runs to 50. Runs to 48. Runs to a goal and slams it home. Hey, it's a good game, by the way. He's handballed off. So he does. He handballs it off. Long launch it. Goal by Duncan. It might be over. Leave a dangerous kick. Gary Rowan taps it. Stengel. He missed at the start of the game. He doesn't miss now. Game over. It was tense for the whole game, but as expected, against such quality opposition, they were always going to have their moments. You know, we know that we're going to have moments against any team where the game's going against us. So if nothing else, it was good practice to make sure that you can stand up in those moments. Geelong dismantles Melbourne with the Premier losing for the fourth time in six games, fueling the prospect of a new world order in the Premiership race. The AFL are furious at the situation which Ben Buckley has left the club in. He won't be there. Results will have dictated that. There's no way that he can survive. This is rock bottom. Stability is the key in any successful club and and with this, I guess, this decision, that's that's what we've uh, signed up for. The players have signed up for that and so now it's our opportunity to make the most of it. It is nice, but, you know, I think the process was there and you sort of just got to wait and we didn't need to speed up whether we won games or we were losing games. It was sort of just how things were going and we just worked through that. So, But it is nice to get it done and um, yeah, it's just part of the journey, I think. The coaching landscape crystallises with contract extensions for Stuart Jew and Brett Ratton. But is David Noble quickly running out of time at North Melbourne? This is the Round 17 edition of Crunch Time.
Well, we're at a grey and gloomy MCG this morning for today's meeting between Collingwood and North Melbourne. And I'd like to think we've assembled an illustrious team to make sense of the week that was and to ponder what happens next. And it is a great pleasure to welcome Leon Cameron for his crunch time debut. Leon, great to have you here. Sam, great to be here. Absolutely. It is a little bit... Uh Cold and gloomy out there at the MCG, isn't it? It is indeed. Uh, this man would have thrived in it, though. He's out of the sick bay. He's with us here at the G. G'day, Derm. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, Leon, and welcome. Dermot, you love this weather, didn't you? <laughs> hated it. Uh, <laughs> hated it. Just had to be dry so you could catch the thing above your head. <laughs> uh, actually, funny enough, one thing that people of this day and age who have played no footy, even before you, Leon, in the 80s, we had a thing called mud, and when the wickets were uncovered Oy. and they were sticky and muddy still, but it was a dry day and overcast, they were the best days for playing footy because the ball wasn't wet and it used to stick in your hands. It was like it had will grip on it. Yeah, it did. Uh, yeah. Derm, did you ever come out to the Witten Oval? Did I? In what? the early 90s when it was just mud everywhere? Everywhere. Yeah. In that fact, I deliberate. played an under-19, uh, deliberate. <laughs> <laughs> and I always blowing a gale down there too. I right? played an under-19 game there once, and this is fact. It was, wasn't the windiest day of football I ever played in a big northerly, howling from goal face to goal face. It was the windiest day I've ever experienced. And there was not one score kicked at the northern end. And if, if somebody ran over the centre square line before the bounce, the umpire would award a free kick to the ruckman, he would go back up and go back and line the shot up. <laughs> it was that strong the wind. It was extraordinary. It was an amazing footy in the seventies. Oh, well, oh, I didn't play in the seventies. In the eighties, yeah, unbelievable. The most decorated player of his generation, and perhaps now the most angered by our airport delays. Luke Hodges with us, having navigated his latest flight hiccup. Morning, Hodgie. Good morning, guys. No, it wasn't wasn't an ideal. Um... <laughs> Effort to get back from Sydney this morning, but I got here with about a minute to spare. So, no, it was. I think Dern was right. Looking at uh, how much rain that Sydney had last night uh, over the over the week, but then to be standing on the SCG last night and see what state that oval was in. I remember growing up in Colac, and you did have the muddy pitches, but if they had that much rain, you'd be flooded for for a whole week and and running around in in slush. But look, Sydney were were very impressive last night. Um, to sit back and have so many doubts on what Essendon were able to do to them the week before from to turn it on in that first quarter was just amazing to watch. And if you sat back at the end of the day and said Papley and, and Franklin had two five each, 14 shots between them, you're sitting there thinking that Sydney, yeah, got a fair bit of ball to them. We're going to get to that, Hodgie. But while we're just finishing off that, of all the players I've seen post our careers, my years, we've all said... That kid Hodge would have loved to play in the eighties. <laughs> Do you ever? Did you ever watch that and think that era should have been for me? Um, I enjoyed the beer part after the game, but um, I, I like how the uh, I like how the games played today. Um, probably it's a little bit too fast for my, for the speed of play that I'd like to play. But um, yeah, you, you guys watching some of the tape that you guys played in it was a, at a different level. Uh, it, was, it was it was different, that's for sure. So about last night, Sydney, 17-18 in the end, 120. The Dogs, 9-13-67. Leon, as far as savage bounce backs go, Sydney ticked every box last night. And they've been described, might have been Alistair Lynch last night, described them as an emotional side. And they can ride the wave with that crowd at the SCG. They were excellent without the ball last night first and foremost, which then sets them up with it, of course. Yeah, I was lucky enough to do the game a couple of weeks ago when they played the Saints. Probably not 
consistently at the level last night of pressure, but similar. And um, both times they'd come off bad losses. They got beaten by Port, then they went back home, played St Kilda, and just shut them out. Their defence was fantastic. And clearly, as Hodgie mentioned, Essendon last week, they would have been disappointed with what happened. Now, Sydney probably should have took their opportunities and, and not let Essendon back in, but then to bounce back last uh, last night in that first quarter, I mean, their pressure's awesome. And you can see what's happened during the week. You put your head, you know, your coach's hat on. John's challenged them early in the week about, you know, being more consistent, playing better defence, all that sort of stuff. And he probably would have challenged, had a really hard session on the Wednesday. Short break, straight into Friday night footy, and they've come out and just went bang. And, and, and that emotion, once you start, when you see it in the first three or four minutes, and you see Mills and you see Parker and you see Gould and you see everyone, Papley, in the face of the opposition, but equally nailing your tackles and the pressure's really high, the dogs just had nowhere to go. And to have, I think it was eight, 15 scoring shots in the first quarter, yep. the game should have been well done. Yeah. Hodge, you made the comment in the broadcast, I think, they looked like a team that had been had a rocket put up them all week. Oh, without a doubt, and you could see uh, John's uh, press conference post-game last week, and you just knew that he was going to give it to him. Uh, and knowing a few of his players, but when he wants to, to give a spray, let the players know that he's not happy, he's pretty good at it. But you could tell from the first bounce, the attack that they had on the ball, when you see Buddy Franklin doing three or four efforts chasing, not so much to get the ball, you know that John's laid the law down, and Leon, you'd probably know more than what we've you've seen it more than what we have, but they talk about the, the Bloods culture and the Sydney culture. Is that what as a coaching perspective, is that what you, you, you want to see? If you, you get hit up by a coach throughout the week, how the players respond. We, we talk about it down here, but you would have seen it firsthand up in, yeah. Up in Sydney. Yeah, you're right, Hodge. I mean, look, they are, I mean, they're, they're building a really good list again. You know, they've, they dipped for a couple of years and now they're building up. I mean, they've got, I think probably what they're trying to find right now, the Swans, to be that real consistent team is we know them from in the last 18 months for being a really good kicking team now. And clearly Don Pike's added a, an element to their game to use the ball well. But probably in, in a bit, little bit of that, they might have lost that real aggression week in, week out with their pressure that we seen last night. Um, and so adding those two together, it's a, it's a really, really strong... Um, you can get a strong performance. And, uh, and clearly, you know, when they start, that, that history of Bloods culture, as you mentioned, Hodgie, you, you know, when, in your Hawthorne days, you had some magnificent clashes against the Swans and you're never out of it. So you're, you're always, uh, you've got to beat them for 120 minutes. But last night was an exceptional win. And, you know, on the back of that, they'd be sitting there thinking, um, can they secure up a top four spot if they can produce three or four more of those strong performances in the last six rounds? Doom, it was the highest pressure rating of any team this season. I think they averaged 216, which is a frightful number across the four quarters. It might have peaked to 230 in the third quarter, Sydney. So for reference point, the season average is 182. They've, they've had 89 tackles, and they've won by nine goals. They, they, they're a team with skill, real skill. But I would say, in answer to that, that statement you've just made... I would say John puts more uh, weight into winning two of the, the three being contested possession, clearance tackles. I'd say he wants to win two, at least two of those three. And if he can win two of those three, if he wins all three, he wins the game because their skill will have them using the ball to better advantage. But it, it's, it's pretty clear cut to me that for all the little... Uh, dabblings and massages and, and little 
aspect. Like they, they seem to run a, an extra one up to the ball to counter Bonham Pelly McRae yesterday last night. So they had one more, and they and then they didn't exit. Just hack blast kick out of the stoppage. They seem to move it forward. John is someone who says the old basic of those three clearance. Uh, contested possession to tackle. We win minimum two or three of them. Our games in the right area. Yeah, and, yeah. And, you're right. And and they did. You could see from the first bounce that that was clearance, clearance, clearance. I mean, in the end, though, I think what do they have clearance uh, plus one for the match. Mm. But that first quarter, uh, they just brained them out of the middle. Yeah, and I think you're right, Dermot. If, if you think about the Swans five years ago. Everyone thought about Parker, Kennedy, and it's just inside tough yeah, yeah. players. What your those three statistics you're Jack talking about? And th- those blokes, yeah. all of them, just yeah. cracking in week in week out. That's their brand. That's their culture. That's their spirit. Yep. No doubt, as you as they've had that little small rebuild, a couple of years dip, and then they've added that X factor of skill to them. The, the, the challenge John's got all the time is, okay, we're kicking it really well, but every time you can kick the ball really well but it turns into a really good, tighter game, you've still got to come back to the basics. Absolutely. And yeah. he doesn't want to yeah. lose that, you can just tell, because he's that. And I'm the same as well. You always want to walk off and say, contest, clearance, tackle numbers. What are they like? means you're in the game. doesn't mean you're always going to win, but Jesus gives you a really good mm. chance to it. Yeah. And so if the kicking goes too far, and you're not getting those three basics right, two out of three, you, you can be in a bit of strife. But last night, um, they would have walked away in that in that area really happy. I think similar to Richmond, it was just oh, you just so Richmond they they would turn up when they were super dominant and say, well, we don't really worry about clearances, <laughs> we'll get it back off mm. them. And so there's a different strategy to, mm. to that. You know, we're going to keep moving the ball forward, and we have the the potency up forward. Whereas John's philosophy, I believe, is still the basics at heart, Hodgie. Yep. And I think that show with, with Laddams going down during the second quarter and all of a sudden he was up against Street, which um, no, sorry, English, sorry. Uh, and yep. we, we all thought that they were going to get on top through English being the Ruckman. Mm. But then Reed goes in, has 13 tackles. Mills has 16 tackles. And Rowbottom has nine. They have 38 tackles between three blokes with a Ruckman who's undersized to his mindset. And he said after the game that it wasn't about competing in the air. It was about following up, making sure it was hard for their Ruckman. So it's amazing that you look through and see it's 35 scoring shots to 22. You would have thought it was just an easy, free-flowing game. They had it on their terms the whole night. But, Derm, you're right with the, the mindset. As soon as they needed to get their, get their hands dirty and have a bit of a battle, that they were happy to roll up the sleeves and, and get physical and, and lay 88 tackles to 66 when you... you what, what, they win the disposals by plus 30, plus 40. Um, they just had an all-round game last night. Can I ask you, Leon, you, you, and Luke, you touched on it then because Reed went into the ruck and Marty did a little, young Joel did a little bit of ruck work. When an undersized ruckman goes in against a legitimate ruckman, and you encountered it earlier in the year when Josh Battle had to fight out the game against, I think it was Flinney or was it Prucy still at that Prucy. Prucy. Yeah. Now, Prucy is a monster. How do you broach that with him during the break? Do, do you in, insult him and say, have a look at the size of this bloke? Do you say, just keep going? W- what do you do when the Ruckman should have the enormous advantage, it's but he's gr- not seizing it's, it? it? It's the total opposite to what everyone else says. Yeah. The coach worries about that the most. And so... Um, when you normally go ruck v ruck, it's okay, fantastic. You know, half will get their hands on it, half the half yep. 
Yep. You know, and so there's an even Fly battle. Fly the flag, yep, yep. But then when the unknown comes, it's it's the the biggest thing you worry about. And a classic example is that game. Uh, battle went in. He's an unbelievably endurance runner. Mm. And so all he did was run Proust from side to side. Everywhere. And so then by the time Proust gets to his comfortable position, he's fatigued and he can't, you know, do what he wants to do as much as he wants to. And uh, we had it again a few weeks later when Blitzarves, Geelong had no rush and Blitzarves rucked against our boys as well and they did the same thing up yeah. in Canberra. That's and last cool. night, like watching Sam Reid, which firstly, before I comment on the ruck, I think it, we've got to give Sam Reid some credit because he he's had such a tough last seven or eight years. Yes. He's always in, you know, had some injuries. He's had to deal with so much. Um, I thought he was gone at the start of the year. And but for him to come back, his last six or seven weeks. I think they even thought he yeah. might have struggled to get yeah. back. Yeah. His last six or seven weeks is fantastic, and for him to go into the ruck and take up more dominant spot when Laddams went down, what what ten, twelve or thirteen tackles, uh, a lot of the footy. Yeah, he was. His seven follow up was great. Yep. He. It's funny. Out of some silly things that happen in games, you find little gems, and maybe he can be that Ruckman a little bit more by what they seen last night. And so then Bevo's probably thinking, okay, oh, we should get some dominance here. We might get, you know, English will get off the hands. And I watched one incident where English, perfect centre bounce down to Bondapelli. Swan swarm. Bondapelli can't get his hands free. It turns into a scrimmage. It goes up again. Eventually numbers, as you said, numbers the extra come, num come yep. up. And all of a sudden the ball's in the Swans area. No advantage to the Ruck. It's a, it's a really... Really good debate. It's that it's, it's one amazing when it comes coach. down to. Sorry, it comes, it comes down Go. to your mindset, and that's that's in around the stoppage. But that's a lot. That that happens all over the all over the ground. If you look down forward or back, if you've got three tall forwards, say resting ruckman there, the the offensive team, the forwards look at that, and say we've got the asset here, we've got the advantage because we've got a tall. But the defensive team can look at it a different way and say, hang on, we've got rebound run here. So it all it all depends, just as you were saying, that it all depends on the mindset of the team and how they can look at this issue or this problem as a positive. If, if you're a ruckman, ruckman, if you're a ruckman who's six foot five going against a six foot three battle, my mindset would be, how can I take advantage? I'd be banging it as far forward as I can to eliminate his second up efforts. Mm. Where if you're a battle, you're in there just trying to make a, con a contest to bring it to ground to use it to your strength. So a lot of these different situations that are caused through injury or whatever, it comes down to the mindset of the team and the players in that situation. Leon, with the dogs, what are you seeing? Obviously, grand finalists last year. By the end of the round, they could be two games outside the eight with St Kilda, Melbourne, Geelong and Fremantle to come. So it's a tough month for them. We saw Adam Trelaw at halfback last night. Mitch Hannon played back as well. What are you seeing at the Western Bulldogs at the moment? Yeah, it's a... It's a only from looking at from afar, um, it's a classic probably case. And someone I spoke about this with someone this week, Sam. Uh, they said, did you have a grand final hangover after 19 into 20? That was that first year of COVID and we mm. missed out in the finals. Mm. And, it, and, and I looked at him and I thought, oh, how do I answer this? I, I was wary of it because everyone tells you about it. You've had a bad grand final loss. What do you do? Do you line up all 44 players next and they have to see the psychologist? You know, like, <laughs> what do you put in place to actually eliminate a bad grand final loss from the year before, other than talk about it, address it, or whatever it may be. Um, but it just probably seems to me that the dogs from last year, that, 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 that magnificent run at the end of last year into the grand final, and let's be honest, halfway through the third quarter, they were in the box seat. And then Melbourne did what they did. And did that knock them around a little bit? Does it then get to the players that have been to the top of the hill already and they go, OK, I'm just a couple of percent off? And you're one or two percent off, but then the other sides like Carlton and Sydney and 
as we've seen, are one percent, one or two percent on, and so you only have that little turnaround, and, and and it's huge. So I think, no doubt, they've probably just struggled to probably come up from last year in terms of their form and their flow and moving the ball or playing defence or whatever. Now, if someone might ask, well, what does that look like? It just means that they're going at ninety-eight percent or ninety-seven percent, not a hundred percent, week in, week out. Um, secondly, I mean, clearly. Um, you know, Bontempelli's had a really tough year and you feel for him because he's the captain of the footy club and he's such a brave player and he's such an outstanding player. If the season was done and dusted, he's probably on the hospital bed at the moment, getting operated on his shoulder. You can clearly see he's only at about 80%. And, and Bevo will be doing everything possible to cover, you know, help him through the week and, and Bontempelli will be doing that as well. But they'll put their hand up and say, no, I've, I've, my name's read out, I'm ready to play. So there's probably a number of hidden things that people don't know about at the moment, that there's be players there playing with some injuries and that's probably getting to them. And then the and the people to come and pick up that task of uh, of of where those guys are letting down, it's not happening at the moment. And so you put all that together and the performances are not at the level that we've seen of last year. At at the selection table, <coughs> they haven't got everything they want though. No. That team. No, no. They're they're missing and we're making wish lists here. Because yeah, yeah. everybody wants Stephen May standing down yeah. back or, or Jacob Weedham. But again, it revealed itself, didn't it, last yeah. night? I think contested marks, they they've, doubled them in the they've end. Got a couple, they've got a couple of reasonably good but not great key backmen. They've got one jumping key forward who is worth his weight in gold and they really can't find another avenue that says, kick it to me and I'll turn this into a score. They don't really have that. They've got a few players who are fighting for their position i was looking at and that weird way of watching tv play rewind play rewind i watched joe hannison last night and from where he was as the norm smith medalist to where he is he does not know his position he he, he's and the boy's done had a wonderful career because as i said he's got a premiership in north and a norm smith medal but he's got issues with how he wants to play now and where his best position is. I mean, the boys like Scott and Garcia, they've all gone past him for mid midfield positions. Yeah. It's, I think you're right. You're right, Derm. I mean, I suppose that's why they've gone and got, they got Keith a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. They got O'Brien. And, and probably people look and say, with surprise that O'Brien didn't play last night. I was. Um, yeah. it's, it's one of those things, uh, you know, uh, if you look at the Bulldogs, their proactive defence is not judged on six foot four. Um, big key backs. They're, they're ju- two, two things. Clearly they're system-based and we'll just play two at the back, two in the middle and two up high. And whoever comes your way, you deal with. Yeah, maybe you play the area. Maybe yeah. every now and again someone else might adjust depending on a really key matchup. But then their system where it, it doubles down is that you leave your man at every possible chance to go and make a 2 Come forward. Yeah. At any chance. Yeah. And so then you, you, you might argue, well, can, do they get scored on easily at times because they, that might be a poor choice. Having a Stephen May is clearly yeah. an advantage if you could get get a hold of those Or a players. Jacob Wietering or, yeah. But yeah. I think it's down the other end, Derm. If you had a choice and you had one choice to the Bulldogs, can you take a key forward or a key back? Mm. And doggy supporters might say, oh, we need a key back. But I'm the other way. I, Norton needs help. And Bevo knows that. Clearly. He needs help. And look, they, they, need, they can't get Bruce in there quick enough. Um, you're coming off a knee, they can't expect miracles. It's going to take a little while. 
and you, you know you talk you hear through the week about Rory Lobb and these sort of players that might be on the radar the, the poor lad needs some help he's a superstar talent, isn't he Norton I yeah. love him and like you could easily switch him back and he could be an all Australian centre back and they could fix their areas but you know as well as I do to win a game of footy you've got to kick goals and so that's why they're keeping their best player, other than Pelly, ahead of the footy. But they need to find that solution. Um, and 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 Shacky is you know that in and out. It's probably not there. And young you know Eugle Hagen is just earning his stripes at the moment. But if they found a big you know two hundred centimetre, two hundred five centimetre that had some brute force, kick to me, I'll either mark it or I'll bring it down to the ground. I think that's more important than their back issues. Mm. If you had one choice. Oh, gee, Leon, if we we look at the Western Bulldogs. You spoke about Bruce then. Are we rating him too high? Have they overachieved since they since Bruce went out? Because he, he got injured round 21 last year. They lost their last three home and away games. And then they, they yes, they got to the grand final. But the, the game down, the, their first final against Essendon, it was wet. Essendon tried to play dry football and Liver took control of it. The game against the Lions, most people would say the Lions outplayed them, didn't kick accurately. They won by a point. Yes, they dominated Port Adelaide and then got handed it to them against Melbourne in the grand final. Then you look at this year, they've only really beaten Collingwood, which had a, a convincing win, and they beat Sydney. That, that, a, I, yeah, I'm sort of right. looking at it going, since Bruce got injured, are we expecting too much from them, considering they only really played one decent final to get to a grand final, and they haven't really matched up to what they were playing before Bruce got injured? It's always, as you know, Hodge, it's so dangerous because it's... <laughs> You always judge on the year before, as you've just said. Um, you know, uh, coaches go into the the year after and the preseason, going, "Did we really deserve to be finish uh, sixth or seventh on the ladder? Did we get lucky? Did we win that final? Did we get lucky at that particular time?" I mean, I mean, we all know that you know you earn your spots, but there's also an element of, "Oh, well, there were three or four sides that had some injuries, and they may have, could have been ahead of us." It's a really good point. Um, and you'd have to say their midfield's in check. They've got a wonderful young ruckman coming through. We all know about their midfield, as we said. But adding a key forward to, to that spot, which is hard because you can't, they just don't go around trees, is, is a clearly uh, a big challenge for them over the off-season. By definition, Sam, they are average in the AFL. They've played 16, they've won eight and mm. lost eight. So they are the average. Leon Cameron, Dermot Brereton, Luke Hodge and Sam Edmund. We're about to go into the Sydney Swans camp with co-captain Callum Mills. That's next. You're listening to Crunch Time. The award-winning Crunch Time. Well, the Swans were commanding 53-point winners. It was a real statement of intent against the Western Bulldogs last night. Callum Mills is revelling in his new leadership role this year and was a massive part of Sydney's pressure game against the Dogs. The game high 16 tackles, and the Swans co-captain is on the line. Callum, welcome to Crunch Time. He's just He's disappeared. off the line. It was one of the great introductions. <laughs> you were on Emmy, fire. It's, oh. it's the Sydney weather. What happens up there? The rain. I can't butter him up again lines. like that, can I? Hodgie, oh, pretend to be Callum Mills. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, while we are here, and we'll get him back online, can I just, uh, on behalf of all the Hawthorne people, send out, and I spoke to a couple of teammates this morning, mm. our condolences to the Deer mm. family. Yeah. Um, and for and normally you don't do this, but if you do on the social platforms, read constantly or, or frequently. Look up the cancer patient's wife. That is uh, Cherry, Paul Deere's uh, wife, 
And uh, I'll just read you the, the, and you can read uh, what she's been updating us all with it. It's with a heavy, very heavy heart that I share with our Insta community that my darling Paul, my husband, said God, goodbye to us at 6.59pm last night. On Wednesday night, we piled into his favourite old car, which represented him so well, and went for what we didn't know was his last sunset at one of our favourite places. And there's a bit more to that, but I thought, Sherry, we, we give you our best wishes, we give you our love, we loved Paul, Norm Smith medalist, but a damn great bloke and so we take our hats off to the dear family um rest in peace yeah yes. well said um, uh, thoughts with the dear family we might revisit that a little bit later on in the program but i think keller mills is back on the line the swans co-captain cal have you got us yeah got you how are you guys we got you <laughs> well that was that was Callum, an immense performance from your side uh, based on a, a season high pressure rating of course was it was it one that coaches and players demanded all week in the wake of the of the essendon loss yeah, it was, to be honest. Um, you know, we were pretty disappointed with the Essendon loss and the way we defended and put pressure on the ball. So um, to respond was, was really pleasing, to be honest. I wanted to ask you about one particular player first and foremost. His name's Ryan Clark. Now, he was a late inclusion. He takes out Bailey Dale in a negating forward role. Now, we just saw Jack Sinclair run a muck against Carlton last week, but Ryan kept him to 17 touches two weeks ago and you win over the Saints. That was a big role last night, Ryan Clark, after the late inclusion. Yeah, it was. And, you know, we really value those roles and Clarky's come in and you know, taken two pretty big scouts. So it went a long way for us winning the game and sort of stopping what they want to do, which is that sort of um, spring off half back. And, you know, it was, a, it was a pretty big role for us. Callum, Leon, Cameron, how are you? Good, Leon. How are you, Matt? Well done. Well done yesterday, mate. Well done last night. Um, just quickly, Thank you. mate. Um, clearly your pressure. Everyone's going to talk about your pressure. Callum, and uh, your pressure against St Kilda was really good a few weeks ago, then probably dropped off in the Essendon game, and then last night was just through the roof. 216 is you know is the record for this year. Um, how do you constantly try to find that balance every week to have that pressure, but also the added element that you've added in the last couple of years of your ball use? You know, you guys can kick the ball really well, and you know when given the opportunity, you can pierce through the opposition um, at any given time but then also getting that balance of the real hard stuff of the pressure and the contested ball and the clearances. How does that go throughout the week with training and coaching that? Um, yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. I think um, the thing that we usually sort of talk about is our ball movement comes off the back of that pressure and intensity around the scramble and, and the hunt mentality because I think when we do that, we're, we're usually in good positions on the ground and, and give us really good shape to then attack. So... Um, the Bulldogs are really good with their hands and I thought we were really good to be able to put pressure on the tackler and also take away their receivers. So, um, you know, that was a, a main um, sort of target that we were going into the game and we just sort of knew once we had that down pattern, our intensity was up, our ball use will come off the back of it. It's definitely not the other way around. We don't think about our, our ball use before that sort of stuff. Callum, well done and uh, congratulations on the win. The dogs are awesome in the middle of the ground. You guys obviously put time into them. Was there anything around the stoppage that you were actually identified that you identified and, and looked to cut down? Yeah, I, I 
kind of just mentioned it before, they're really good with their hands. They always find a way and, um, you know, they're really good once if you sort of miss a tackle and you force, they force another person in to then release the handball. So we, um, you know, we were really focused on being able to stick our tackles and the other guy taking away the receiver because when you sort of get two to ones, they're really good at finding the handball and then they chain out through handballs, which really hurts you on stoppages. But I thought we were able to negate that even though Pete Laddams went down and I thought Sam Reid did a really good job in the ruck to then follow up as well. So um, we were pretty pleased last night. It's a great name, Sam Reid, because the, the, Leon and I were just talking a few moments ago about where we thought he was round one this year. But your forward line's always going to have Heaney, Buddy. Will Haywood cemented himself now as that mid-size, capable of tackling pressure, capable overhead in the in the right circumstances. Sam Reid's re-emerged and, and he's probably jumped up past... I mean, Joel Amati came in last night, but there's the three boys that are competing for the one position. Amati, Logan McDonald, who's a talent, and Hayden McLean, who's just a wonderful competitor. You've got three boys there going for one spot, but Reed's come in and, and leapfrogged them again when some probably thought the other three, two of those other three, might have gone past him because of Sam's injuries. Yeah, he's, he's been really important for us, Reedy, and I think the, sort of the follow-up, being that second ruckman, pinch hitting, but also just his intensity around the ball has been a real strength of his over the last, um, you know, month and a bit. So, um, and as you said, there's there's lots of uh, boys vying for that sort of, you know, second, third tall, which is, um, to be honest, a really strong position to be in. I know it's definitely tough for those boys, but it ultimately brings the best out of all of them. And, um, you know, if you, you play your role, you cement your spot. So, um, you know, Reddy's done that and, and is playing really good footy. And, and to be honest, the rest of them are playing good footy as well. And, um, I think that'll just hold us in good stead going forward. Callum, three or four years ago, Sydney were known, I guess, from opposition players. I definitely thought this is a bigger-bodied, solid midfield. Over the off-season, made a few changes. We saw JK <laughs> sitting out in the wing and, and across half-back early on, but it gave an opportunity for, for Robottom, for Warner, to really jump into the midfield, and, and that speed and attack has been so exciting. Yeah, it is. Those boys play with serious power and, um, you know, it really helps us around the scramble and, and being able to get, you know, good momentum going forward. And um, the more we can sort of bring that out, the you know, the better I think we'll be as a team. And um, Parks and I are doing what we can to try and complement them and, and bring their strengths out. And um, I think we've got a good balance at the moment and, you know, we're, we're still try still striving to get better and better each game and you know Chad and Rowie have been really awesome with that. Can you fill us in with Chad just a little bit? I spoke to him before the game and he was as laconic, relaxed <laughs> as I've seen a player, especially a 21-year-old. He hasn't had the easiest introduction to AFL. He got drafted, COVID hit, he was in his hubs um, and then he had all that kerfuffle with kick, kicking the ball into the uh, into the stadium <laughs> against Richmond when, when the free kick was paid. So he's had a pretty exciting time. Can you, can you fill us in? Because he doesn't seem to be phased by too much. No, nah, he's um, he's an absolute character, Chad. He's um, he's a great kid, and uh, I think underlying it all, he's just an absolute competitor. Um, hates losing, loves footy, and um, is just a real power beast. And you know, he came into the to the gym in the first year, and I think he was benching like 110 kilos in his first year. And you know, he's, he's just a he's an, a monster, and he's getting better and better. And he's, well, he's only played 30 games, so. Um, you know, we love having him and we love what he brings to our team. Well, Jeez, I can't, Cal, fi- I can't, 
Sorry, I was Carl, just going to say, Hodgie, go, Hodgie, you go. <laughs> Sorry, I, was, I couldn't finish off uh, an interview without, or my questions without talking about the defence. Um, you, you look across <laughs> the defence there, and Rampy's always been a star. Tommy McCartan's come along, but joining Paddy in there as well, the three of them are just so stable across there, from Pat with his intercept marks, Rampy playing on talls and smalls, and Tommy, I think he had nine or ten spoils last night as a real, real stable centre-half back. Yeah, they're starting to get a really good cohesion. Um, as you know, Hodge sort of takes a bit of time with the defensive group to, to work together and understand each other's strengths and, and things like that. But, um, you know, the way Paddy's come in to be able to give a chop out in the air and, and Tommy's taking down the best key forwards every week and, and Ram's doing what he does is just being really versatile and agile with who he plays on. So, um, you know, that's a real key to success, having a, a strong back six and... The boys are, are getting more and more games together with each other. And, um, you know, last night was sort of another glimpse into, you know, the type of footy they can play as a back six. So, Cal, Buddy takes five contested marks. He kicks 2-5 in the end. He could have had an absolute monster game. But who says you can't teach an old dog new tricks? I've never seen him kick on the right before. And he shaped to snap that ball. <laughs> and they bought it hook, line and sinker. Yeah, I think he's only kicked something like four goals on his right. Well, that's what he's been telling the boys. And so 900 and whatever that is. He's on made up for it on the left, mate. Yeah. In the words so, of Spud um, Frawley, no, that, that right leg, Cal, is only for standing on while he kicks it with his <laughs> left. <laughs> exactly. But, um, no, the big bub was up and about last night. And it was good to, good to have the SCG rocking again. Hey, Cal, just on your journey, and, and we, we all know a uh, horse up here, and he, he can, he's a fantastic bloke, but, gee, he can be prickly, and when he gets challenged, he either takes it on board or he gets pricklier. Uh, how did he go with you when, from what we can understand, you went to him and said, I should be playing in the midfield. Is that correct? And how did that originally play out? No, I don't, I don't know where you get your mail from, Derm. Um, <laughs> no, it was all right, got that a, wrong. No, no, it was just sort of an organic conversation. And, um, you know, as I came, when I came in, we had a serious midfield. And um, it was also about learning the defensive part of footy. Because I think when you come in as, 18 year old, as an 18-year-old, you don't know much about the defensive side. And I think that's given me a, a really good, strong foundation to... Um, my game and especially the midfield group to be able to have a um, two-way sort of defensive um, mindset in there and understand what the backs are feeling when you're under the pump, to be honest. So, um, you know, I'm I'm really grateful for all the learnings and, you know, what Horse has sort of done, putting me down back early in my career. It's um, I think it really helps your footy um, pathway, to be honest. Yeah, I did put a bit of mayo on it. I didn't hear all that much about it. I just thought I'd try and lead you into something. <laughs> yeah, the, all the old coaches used to do that, though, Cal. They they would, even with forwards, they'd play them as a, you know, in the reserves, in the in the back line, just to teach them responsibility first. And then they would say, right, now you're ready to to spread your wings. So similar with John, he's, he's got that philosophy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think, as I sort of mentioned before, when you're 18 years old, you don't know anything about defence. And that's one of our key pillars of the way we want to play is um, being really strong defensively. And, um, you know, you learn a lot, to be honest, down there. And you sort of can hone in on your craft and then use it when you go to a different position. 
Cal, well done last night. It was an emphatic performance by any measure. So fifth on the table, a fantastic bounce back. And the tests just keep coming, as I'm sure you'll be aware. Fremantle next. Wish you the best of luck with that and for the rest of the season. Well done, Cal. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Well played. Callum Mills there from Sydney, hot off the back of that emphatic statement, wasn't it, against the, the Western Bulldogs. Had a pretty good game himself. 23 touches, six score involvements, five clearances, seven marks, and as we touched on, a game-high 16 tackles. Leon Cameron is with us at the MCG. Dermot Brereton's here as well. Luke Hodge also. Sam Edmund with you. You're listening to Crunch Time. The award-winning Crunch Time. They dominated a number of areas and um, I said yesterday heading in that you get a good audit on your game and, and we got that tonight. You know, they dominated the time and half. They, they beat us at clearance. I think they were cleaner and they tackled incredibly well around contest areas. So um, we'll learn a lot from this, but, um, you know, full credit to Geelong. You know, they, they played an exceptional game and they got the game on their terms and they had it there for a long, t- long part of the game. Audit was the word of the week, wasn't it? So with that in mind, by the close of business Thursday night, gentlemen, we had to say Geelong's balance sheet was sound, its cash flow was steady, its accounting policies are in uh, promising working order and they got their validation, the Cats, against Melbourne in the form of a 28-point win to go top of the ladder. It was pretty dominant, 20 more inside 50s, 13 more scoring shots and just a real blasting around the ball. So content- clearances 54-36 and 16-8 in the all-important centre bounce. So it was a belting in close. Leon, how how wide are we to look in assessing the meaning, particularly if we are to look at the Premier first, Melbourne? Oh, look, there'd be some concerns in the camp. I mean, um, especially the last six weeks, four, and I think they're two and four. Yep. Um, I think we were discussing it just off air before, Dermy said, look, Melbourne just didn't play well. And so then, has that been the case over the last six weeks? Um, you know, they were wonderful here against Brisbane a few weeks ago. They did what they needed to do over in Adelaide the week uh, week after. But Geelong are a serious footy team, and to beat them down there, everyone f- forgets how hard it is to beat the Cats down there. And there's no doubt they built that game up to be... Uh, an early mini final for them, and 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 Chris Scott's a you know wonderful coach, and they've got a you know wonderful footy club there. So everything was aiming f- towards a really strong Geelong performance, regardless. Mm. Um, before you know you get to Melbourne, so that's what Melbourne had to deal with. And when you're just a little bit off at the moment, and they are, they've got some players that are probably not down as much. Uh, sorry, not playing as as well as they were this time last year, um, and they've had the interruptions that they didn't have last year. Now, Gorn and Jackson come back into the team um, that have been out for a couple of weeks. There's a couple of players they're missing. There's a key missing. 16-8 in the McDonald. middle, yeah. out of the middle. Yeah. That, that's not going to happen again. You're not going no. to double Melbourne out of no. the middle again. And and Tom McDonald, and I, I, I don't know exactly when he's back, Derm, but he is a vital a player. And Ten weeks, that, it says. Clearly, they're missing him because he is, I think, is one of those you know, players that helps the other four or five function in the forward line. Um and so whether that is a to the end of the year and they you know, they've got to find a way and, and clearly Wiedemann going out of the side, Melbourne hierarchy don't think he's mm. the answer at the moment because he's sort of in and out of the side. So they probably have to address that issue. But look, there'll be some worrying signs, but I, I sit there and still think that they are still them and Geelong and Brisbane are the still three best teams in the competition. Is, is the forward line a concern for you, Hodgie, at Melbourne? Um, oh, look, if you, if you saw what they did last year, when, when they got continuity with that side and, and they've 
the defence is playing well together. The, the mids are normally making up for the for the lack of forwards compared to other teams. So when you got Petraka was good. He kicked three goals on the weekend. But the ability of Melbourne of winning the hunt, keeping the ball in their forward 50, but then able to score with repeat entries, they've seemed to have lost that just a little bit because it's very hard. You're, you're, we spoke about Melbourne after round 10 saying, look, who's going to get close to them? And they had a pretty solid run. Since then, they've hardly put the same team on the paddock. And yes, you sort of look at the forward line and go, can that win a premiership? Well, it did last year. And yes, Tom McDonald's a, a big one for him as an extra tall. But once once this team starts to get a bit of a run on, and they don't want to leave it too much later to try and get a bit of continuity in the same lineup uh, week in, week out. But you still teams are still going to fear because of what their defence can do and what their mids can do. But I don't want to take anything away from Geelong. If, mm. if you... I can't believe no one's really spoken about Geelong leading to this stage, and they're on top of the ladder. They're a team that's just gone under the radar. We've spoken at times how Brisbane have been really good and Collingwood's on the move, and, and Fremantle have come from nowhere with, with a good team culture. Geelong are just That's probably because smoothly. they coughed up a few losses, Hodgie. I mean, they, I mean, they lost to Hawthorne, have won four for the year, and, and they've lost to in various times where people say, well, that just shouldn't happen. And you sort of look at it, well, give us proof. They've mounted that proof now. But, yep. but, but it's, it takes a while to win back the trust of the footballing public if you are legitimate one or two, seeded one or two when you cough up games that you just ultimately shouldn't. But unfortunately, in, or not unfortunately, it's good for us watching, but everyone's going to yeah. cough up games. The Brisbane Lions coughed up to Hawthorne as well. So you, you look through and everyone's going to knock someone off when you don't expect it. But who would have thought that 1v2 down at Geelong, and if Cameron doesn't kick a goal, Stengel kicks one, and that was only yep. late in the last quarter when the game was done. Hawkins gets one, I think that was late as well. Danger kicks zip four, and Myers kicks zero, that they're still going to kick 90 points to be strong enough to get over the top yeah. of the team sitting on top of the ladder. So I sort of sit back and go, Geelong are primed, and yes, we know what Scotty's going to say. He's going, they're a good team, and they played mm-hmm. they played as a group. This was, a, this was, I think this put to everyone what Geelong can do. When our big fellas aren't flying, yes, we had Dangerfield back in the middle and he, he got the ball around the ground, but as far as not hitting the scoreboard, he played a great game. But you look around at the whole team of, of who was able to kick goals from Duncan, Rowan, Guthrie, their leading goal scorer was two, I think. So it just sort of shows it's not about the big names at Geelong anymore that are going to get them over the line. It's about how this team can spread the load. I think the challenge, Hodgie, back on the Demons is... is um there's no doubt there'll be a little bit of panic, but it's not at a stage where, look, Melbourne are gone and, and they're not going to win the flag this year. They're still in the box seat, in my opinion. Um, they still sit second on the ladder. They've got enough wins. They've got a really tough draw home, run home, but so they should because they are the best side from they're last year. Team, so yeah. they, they play all the good teams. But the challenge I think they have in that front half is to... Like, Pickett's only a young fella. You know, he's a really good young kid, and he's only in his fourth year... Jackson's got some things going on through his head at the moment. Who he wouldn't have had that last year. We might continue this. We might continue this conversation. Sorry, Lee, on, on the other side of the break, because there's so many directions we can take this one. The one v two. That's six, seven in a row now. Yep. Forge along. Three more games to come at home as well. Leon Cameron's in the house. Dermot Brereton is here as well. Luke Hodges on the line with us for crunch time. We're at a dark and gloomy MCG. The North boys just walking across the hello turf as we speak as we count down to the clash against the Pies.
Welcome to Crunch Time. A big good afternoon to you, one and all. Crunch Time resides at the MCG today for Collingwood and North Melbourne at a quarter to two. All the coverage, all the calling right here at SEN. Leon Cameron is in the house for his Crunch Time debut. Dermot Burton's alongside him. Luke Hodge is with us as well. Sam Edmund with you for the next uh, hour on Crunch Time. We left the conversation, gentlemen, in the middle of our chat around Melbourne. He was on fire too. He was wound up. He was taken off. Sammy <laughs> shut me down, didn't he? He, he shut, shut me down. down. I yeah. thought, what's going on Yeah, here? Mickey Gafer over here in the front row. <laughs> Pretty poor form on my behalf, it must be said. But we, we, I know we were talking during the ad break, and, and Leon, I can't wait to get your insights on how you coach against Geelong in Geelong, which a lot has been said about the unique elements of the ground down there at GMHBS Stadium. Yeah, like we were just discussing it, and to, to, to take on Geelong down there, we know the elements of the ground. Are, and, and look, they play it so well, they train there, and just to put in pre, in, pre, in pretext, my belief is you have to lead Geelong somewhere in the second half. You have to yeah. be thereabouts in front at three-quarter time. Reason being? Absolutely. And, look, we, we, we got lucky last year. We went down with a relatively young side and we sort of – we had nothing to lose. You know, it was sort of – we were the underdogs and, and, you know, they were heading towards, you know, September action and – so we said, boys, we have to go through the middle every chance we get. And we have to move the quick. We can't let their defence set. They are wonderful at guarding space. They know wherever the ball, what angle the ball is going into their front half, they're set up to rebound um, really well. Whether yeah. it's Blitzars, whether it's Stewart, you know, whether it's Henry, they are well drilled, they are well coached, they own the ground. And, and so there's 12 metres less width absolutely. either side of the ground for them to grid out their zone. So they can guard it. Brilliantly, yeah, and I, I vividly remember saying to the boys, I think it was the night before the meeting, I said, "Guys, uh, if you remember anything, and sometimes you've got to drill in three points to the players, <laughs> sometimes a few more. Um, if you remember every, anything from this meeting, remember the middle of the ground, and let's just go through the middle of the ground. Now it doesn't always pan out that way. I, I remember in the first five minutes, Nick Haynes coming around, coming out of the back pocket, and he screwed the ball back through the middle of the ground. And it came back with interest. Yep. I thought, oh, that's, that's, well, he's taken that literally. We're going through the middle every time. I've got to be, you know, and as the coach, you've got to be careful not to go, oh, no, that's too, too adventurous. But then, you know, five minutes later, we nail one through the middle. We get a little bit of overlap. We get out the back and we scored three or four quick goals mm-hmm. in the first quarter. And then the same thing happened in the second. So we go in with a three or four goal lead in the half time. They come at us in the third. We go back through the middle in the third, win another one or two goals. And so we come in at three-quarter time with Geelong having to make the play. And so we we had that angle of going through the middle with a little bit of dare, sorry, a lot of dare, and deal with the consequences if it didn't come off, knowing that we had to win to keep our finals alive. And this, this stemmed from the conversation. There was 30-odd points Thursday night. If you don't lead against Geelong at three-quarter time, you have to take risks. You think of that last quarter, how many times Melbourne decided, well, we have to take risks now. We must go back into the centre. And they got picked off for three goals. Last year, round 23, they were 40 points down. And they took every risk possible. And Max Gorn kicks a goal after the siren down there last year. So mm. it's it's getting that risk. But but back on the Ds when we when Sam rudely cut us off before, <laughs> um, p- 
Pickett, Jackson, Fritch, McDonald, sorry, Missy McDonald, Sparrow, these young fellows who have been awesome for Melbourne in their charge to to what happened last year and and, and, and parts of this year as well. I just think that they probably that's the area that need they need to address. Whether that's some leadership down there, uh, a player that has a little bit more grunt or direction to help those young fellows through, because McDonald's not there now. They're not going to make some radical decision and say, "Hey, listen, let's take May or Lever out of the back line and throw them forward." But you know, Petrarca, whether he goes down there a little bit more, do they play harms a little bit more on ball because Petrarca's got that presence. Sometimes you rob Peter to pay Paul, I understand that. But it seems to me for Melbourne to get that to that 90 points or that 90 to 100 points, they need someone that can stand up and help them through this period if or when McDonald does come back towards the back end of the year. And, and that's why I think Melbourne, yes, they'll be disappointed with what happened on Thursday night, but when you get to the MCG, it's a different story. You spoke about down at Geelong and how they got attacked through the corridor. The reason why they're so good there is their forwards are selfless. If you're going to go and play a stay-at-home forward line that aren't going to squeeze up the ground, the team's going to cut you, cut you through the middle. Where if you watch every time Hawkins, every time Cameron, there's a turnover on their half-forward line, they'll squeeze up to the middle just so there's density through the middle because they know how dangerous it is to let the mid to let the opposition go straight through there. So that's where, if I'm sitting back at Melbourne going, yes, Geelong play that oval really well, but get us on our home deck, get us on the MCG where there's more space and we can use our strengths, I reckon that's where they'll be sitting back going, we, we'll get them next time we play them. I, I want to start with you. I want to raise this with all three of you, but I'll start with you, Derm, as the, as the forward amongst the, the trio. Bailey Fritch is such an interesting topic of conversation because we love the players who take ownership in front of goal and he hits them more often than not but when it comes unstuck it's led to a conversation around selfishness if you like how do Mm. we assess a player like Bailey Fridge there's there's an easy rule to that as a forward give your team the best chance to kick the goal that's just and nothing else comes into it on your boot or to a player in a better position well that's for you to to determine Give your team the best chance to kick the goal. And if that's off your boot and you believe it to be off your boot, kick the goal. But there's one way of proving it. See two fingers raised. Mm, yeah. It just that has to be the result. Which he, which he has done historically more often than not. Yeah, but he could. I can't believe that he could. could it was the, uh, the mm. winger, what's his name, ran down the outside. Um, Melbourne winger. Langdon. Uh, Langdon. Langdon. Uh, Ed Langdon. I can't believe he missed him. Well, he didn't miss him. And the reason he, we know he didn't miss him was because when Langdon was yelling at him with his arms open after it from 12 metres away, he refused to look at him. Yeah. <laughs> you hear that from 12 metres away and you look and you acknowledge, but he refused to look at him, so he knew he'd done wrong. Um, but as I say, the proof is the team has to be six points further ahead. I think the challenge, Sam, with that is that a lot of things have gone right for Melbourne in the last 12 months to win the grand final and you know even this year they, I think they won their first eight or nine or yep. whatever it was so Fritsch is probably hasn't been in these positions because he's in marking the ball or things have been going really well he goes back he slots the goal Derm talked about uh, you know talk about selfish um, because it's Thursday night footy you probably look at things aren't going as well Melbourne I've lost four it, it just it just raises its head but I would also say that um you know, sometimes it's selfish not taking the shot from yeah. a set shot because you're trying to lay it off because you you, you're actually worried you're going to miss. Yeah. You want pl- big-time players to kick goals. Yep. He's a big-time player. He just probably has to make a 5% adjustment to open up the, you know, the you know take the blinkers off every now and again and, and, and offer one up over the top or one to the run. And so you bring that into your game and then things are taken care of. 
Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Every time, if you look at the Melbourne forwards, when he's kicked big goals for the Melbourne, uh, for Melbourne Football Club, they sit back and they're, they're happy about it. Like the supporters love it, the players. Every now and then you're going to get that. You're going to get that with a young forward who his whole career so far has been about kicking goals. So every now and then if you make the wrong decision and opt to kick a goal when you have burnt someone on the on the outside who's calling for it, every person in their career has done that at some stage. All that takes, if, if the Melbourne players and the Melbourne leaders think he's doing it too much, you just have a conversation with him. Just to, just to understand that sometimes if you second guess or just... Your, your first instinct might be, maybe I do give that handball when I don't need to, to, might, to show your teammates that you're happy to, to pass that on. But he's a 25-year-old kid who's getting paid to, to kick goals. And you can't have a crack at him because he wants to do his role. And yes, he might have to spread the love a little bit. And when there is a Joe Goose, you might want to give that one to, to prove. And that might grow into his game as he gets a bit older. But it always looks worse on a Thursday night, especially when you're, when you're losing. If you're winning, there wouldn't be an issue. Come on, Oji. Oh, Come on, Dermot. I've, I've, I've seen if you, you were that take a few shots in the past. Twenty meters out <laughs> yes, by yourself, and and he took a shot and missed from side on. I think you'd straighten him out. No, nah, I'd run up and I did. I'd do as I did for about a hundred times and say, "Bad luck, bud. Have another shot." Let's <laughs> 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 take Buddy out of the equation. We, we had a set rule down there when Liam was our forward coach: if you get in the road of Buddy, get out of the road and let him have a shot. So <laughs> yes, it was. That was the well, I played with the, the the big pig, and we, and he's a bloke who's kicked twelve hundred goals. He never not gave them off yeah. like that. I doubt Jason Dunstall would have been in a position where Ed Langdon was 20 metres out by himself and Jason in 265 games didn't give that. And that sounds like a, oh, that's a sweeping set. I don't reckon I ever saw him not give that off mm. for a full the game, Derm, the game in today's game, it, it's a lot quicker. So, so many things happen. And, and yes, Derm, Jace was a selfless. He was Mate, I'm going from I'm going from GPS. I'm going from watching watching a uh, the the ball speed and how fast people squeeze yeah. up. Jace always gave it. There's no doubt. We watched so much tape of him in in his heyday, and he was a selfless full forward. But so much is happening in around the ball. You got numbers squeezing up, squeezing back, and sometimes players just get flustered when they don't, their first instinct isn't to give it. And I reckon that's what's going on with Fritz. His first instinct is to kick the goal. And sometimes when there's so much going on, he doesn't think about giving the handball because that's what he's used to doing. You make a great point. And I wasn't having a goal at the speed of the game back then, mate. I know, mate, I know. (laughs) Except for one aspect. A man in space 20 years ago is no different to a man in space right now. And I think to sum it all up, I think it's just a conversation Monday or Tuesday. (laughs) Wouldn't this be a headline to Hawthorne guys? No, we we already have, Um, Leon. We we had to go about Yugal Hagen a few weeks ago. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey, he was. I didn't mind. He's, he's putting elements of his game together. Hugo Hagen. We probably get sidetracked here, but yeah. he's putting elements of his game together. He's still got a long way to go, though. Is, yeah, just quickly, while giving you raising, Paddy McCartan had him last night. I think Paddy McCartan credited with four contested marks. I think all of them were opposed to Hugo Hagen. So mm. does he have that? Does it's the question we always ask? Does he have the physicality? Does he have the competitiveness? At, he's been there for five minutes. Appreciate yeah. that. But two things I've noticed going? about him over the last two weeks. Hodge, join in. Uh, last week he found himself as a connector player, like the Tom um, Lynch. Uh, Tom Lynch when he played at Adelaide. You know, exited the forward line, hit up to beyond the wing and accepted the kick. He did that last week. That's all right. But you can get a six-foot-one bloke to do that. 
if you're six foot five like him and you want to outstretch and take marks, you play inside the damage zone, somewhere inside 60, 70 metres. The issue there is he's a two-foot jumper. That's fine. So was Jared Roughhead and was damaging, seriously damaging. And he outstretched a couple last night by jumping two feet. I think that he, he's looking and, and thinks, I can beat my man with a bit of guile. The greatest key forwards might have kicked one goal a week through guile. Everything else, they beat their opponent with workload. Yeah. And that boy's yet to work, uh, uh, work out what the workload is and when and where to go there. But he's starting to get elements of his game come in, Luke. Oh, with that, with that, I think that was what our discussion was about, where you were saying he wasn't in the form to play AFL, and I was like, you're correct. He wasn't in the form, but for him to get to the AFL standard, there was no good him going back to VFL because he was learning those bad habits there. What we have seen him is he took three or four contested marks a few weeks ago and looked like he found a little bit. And then even on even last night, at times he looked like he'd, his confidence was getting there, but it's still that's that learning phase of when you're playing against an intercept marker who's that's his strength, and that's what he's known for. Sometimes you need to take away your strength of running and jumping, putting a body on Paddy, and then bringing the ball to ground. So, but once again, that's this is still the learning phase of someone who didn't play a lot of footy in his last couple of years, has been in and out of the senior team, still trying to find his feet and still trying to find confidence at AFL level, which I feel that the more he's playing, that he's slowly starting to believe in himself that he can do these things consistently. Yeah, so I, I thought you can learn that quicker if you still adhere to the right aspects of playing the position quicker in the reserves. You get you get more looks at it, you get more chances. And quite frankly, every time the ball comes anywhere within well forward of the centre, there's a there's a bloke called Norton who's jumping at it and it makes it difficult if you're learning the craft of knowing when and when when and where to go when someone like Norton is jumping at it every time. Uh, Paddy McCartan as well, we, we Leon and I were chatting about him off air. The reason he's doing so well now, when he was a kid, he was big and powerful. But he didn't know uh, he didn't outwork his opponent. But one thing he could do, he could pick the ball in flight. He's a beautiful reader of the ball in flight. Even at St Kilda, we saw him launch at the footy a few times. But he was never able to outwork his opponent. As a backman, you can trail your opponent. And once the ball, as in the words of Gary Ayres, once the ball leaves the boot, it's going somewhere. And it, it ain't changing direction. You pick the ball in the air. And that's what he does now because he doesn't have to have that athleticism to overwork, outwork his opponent. He watches the ball leave the boot and he gets to the drop. There's a big difference between working hard for space and trailing somebody into space and picking the long ball off the boot. And he picks it beautifully. And, that, and that's where last night, Doom, that he, had, he did have 14 marks last night. Seven of those were intercepted. So yeah. that's, that just shows that he, as you said, he doesn't have to work. He's just got to sum it up, see if his opponent's dangerous. If not, drop off to where the ball's going to land. And he's, as you said, he's really good at that. The coaching landscape crystallised during the week. Stuart Jew got that two-year contract extension that had been coming for some time. And the path had long been set at Moorabbin for Brett Ratton to do the same. So both are under pretty significant pressure coming in. But, Leon, can we start with someone like Stewie Jew? You know, a season of sitting in the hot seat, if you like, the spectre of Alistair Clarkson hovering. He gets the deal. The players are staying. They're happy. And now the coach signs on as well. Yeah, look, it's a, it's a wonderful show of support. But I think thoroughly earned. Um, Sam, I mean, uh, it's uh, you know sitting in the coach's position is always tough come contract time because mm. 
especially add that by tenfold with Clarkson sitting on the on the outside. Um, and everyone would have said that at the start of the year. Um, you know, if things don't happen in the right manner, then Clarkson will be in Queensland. I mean, those rumours were really, really strong. Yeah. Um, but Did you find them as a coach, not offensive, but did you find them, that's not the right way life should be talked about? Uh, part of that. But if you let it worry you too much, Derm, you can get sidetracked a little bit. But you're right. I mean, you think, oh, hang on, I'm in the position. And I'm speaking for myself at the moment. Yeah. I'm in the position. So this is my job. And it's for someone to take it away from you. But when you see it in the you know the back page of every paper, mm. um, Clarkson available, Clarkson available. Because it almost became yeah. a sport there yeah. for a while, yeah, it wasn't does. it? Yeah, it does. And there was various people in the media. And I'm part of the media. I mm. didn't participate in this, but I'll put myself as part of the media. It becomes a sport to beat somebody else to the punch on Absolutely. a headline. Mm. And thereafter, it becomes the secondary part of the sport to beat the rest of the media to the punch for the solution. Absolutely, yeah, and and it's it's I, I mean I've done, said some things in the media that people would go hey, you can't say that and I, so I put my hat on and say yeah give me a slap too. It's one of the areas I don't like about w- the way we cover the game. The talk about the tenure of a coach as if it is part of a it's a, it's a mini sport within the industry. It, I, I don't like it. I, I really it it, it really rankles with my soul to talk about somebody's job it's as if we can sweep it away and say, see, got that right? <laughs> somebody's just lost their job. Mm. Yeah, And it's, it's it, very public and profile. Yeah, it is. It, it, well, it is. I suppose when you jump into it, you know, I remember when you jump into your job, you go, okay, well, fantastic. You either get, and, and, and there's always, always laughter around it. You're either getting hired or you're getting fired. Mm. And you're not thinking about the fired bit right then when you're getting hired. Oh, yeah, it'll happen, but, you know, I'll be here for a while. And because you, you're naturally confident you back yourself in. And Stuart Jew would have been the same thing. He's gone up there. He's he's done a really good apprenticeship. Um, and, you know, it's been a tough apprenticeship because the amount of injuries they can... You know, people underestimate the amount of injuries that the Gold Coast Suns have had. Mm. They have had horrendous injuries for a number of years. Now, people might say, well, fix it up. Fix it up. You've got no say in that. Sometimes that's pretty hard when they're knees. There's a lot of knees. Yeah. They've had a lot of knees. They've had a lot of injuries. They've had a lot of contact injuries. And so on top of that, as well as trying to guide a young team, and really they've had a second rebuild. They've, they've, they, they, they probably got, they got it wrong from the start, and yeah. they've had the second rebuild. He's come in on that second rebuild. Tony Cochran's after, admitted that. After yeah. Rodney Eade, yeah. and he's gone, okay, well, I've got to go through this. Dealing with injuries, dealing with clearly speculation whether the Suns are worthy of being in the competition because they're not doing this, they're not doing that. And then along comes the, a gigantic person of the game in Alistair Clarkson. Oh, this is, oh, he'll fix it, he'll do all this. So all of those things going through Stewart's head, I think it's a wonderful achievement that he has got the Suns playing a brand of footy. That's, let's talk about that first. And that is, mm. they play consistently well every week. Every week. They haven't been belted at all. Yeah. They are in every game. And they're seven and eight, and they lost their best, well, their best four, marquee forward on the eve Absolutely. of the season as well, and another handful of season-ending knee injuries. And they've on got top of that. skill, and they've got goal kicking ability. Rankin's ability yeah. has come to the fore now, and he's he's wor- worked out the workload. Yep. And yet they've got Holman as well, who's as bl- he's probably the most blue-collar, uh, small to mid-sized tackling forward in the comp. So they've got the balance. And I, I, the Rankin discussion is a wonderful discussion. You talk about Eugle Hagen. Eugle Hagen's two years, Rankin's four. 
They just need time. Mm. He needs time. And forward line, let's be totally honest, when you are, when you're tr- drafted into a footy club and you, you can jump straight into the midfield, why you go? Mm. Forward line takes four years to nail. Yeah. It t- it's a, such a hard position to play. Yeah, Hodge, so, you blokes in the midfield, you grow on trees, honestly. <laughs> you don't get a good one. Go back and get another one. He might be slightly less, but they're bloody everywhere, mate. Yeah, it's they called are. versatile, Derm. Versatile. It would be easy to just play one position. <laughs> so be no the master of one. Two, be the master of one, not a jack of all trades. What do you think I about am... your, old, your old teammate, Hodgie? Oh, look, for what, for what Stewie Jew's been able to do, and I, uh, it happened earlier this year where I got caught up in the conversation because I was the same as everyone else. I thought, well, Gold Coast under pressure, it sounded like the AFL wanted someone like a Clarko to go up there. So I think I, I had comments, and then straight after I got off the show and I was like, hey, and it felt like I just threw Stewie under the bus um, saying that Clarko's going to get the job. So I messaged him and just sort of said, mate, I said something that come out. Not how I meant it. Not how I'm, I meant it to come out. Um, and he he was he was calm about it. He goes, look, I know there's a lot in it, but he goes, you got to understand that I've got family. I'm trying to do my best up here. The boys are going well. We've had injuries, um, but he wasn't coming out and saying that in the media. He was just sort of sitting back calmly doing his job, and he got rewarded. Like he, a lot of people fight back at the media and, and have a crack back at him. Stewie didn't say anything. He went on and focused on a job that he needed to do. And what happened? A few weeks later, they beat Sydney. They beat Fremantle. All of a sudden, and this is without King, who everyone, I, I tipped him as Wooden Spoon as soon as I heard that, that King was out for the season. They get Wits back. I think the culture that they've got with Took, with Wits, um, and Stewie's been able to harness all that, even though he's had a lot of people that have gone over the, over the years. How, how he's handled it, I couldn't, couldn't be more happy for him. And the fact he gets a two-year reward after all the pressure that's been on him for the last 18 months is, a, is an amazing effort for him. I yeah. reckon whoever said... Let's take a punt on Levi Casbold. Yeah. I reckon that person Hasn't should be given a bonus Absolutely. or an extra Christmas well, that's, present. That's Craig Cameron and his, uh, his list management team there because that yep. has been one of the stories of the season. Unbelievable Child. what Levi's been able to do. The uh, most valuable aspect, Child. I believe, of league footy, and then, yeah, fair enough, we'll have a laugh again, is the ability to mark the ball on worst-term scenario inside your forward line. And Levi Casbold. So when the opposition have an equal or better shot at killing the ball, if you can mark that ball as a forward, that to me that's the most valuable asset in league football, yep. and that and that's what Big Levi does. He's kept yep. himself in great nick, hasn't he? What what of what of Brett Ratnitz and Kilda? So they they make the finals. They win a final in 2020. Big step back last year. So he comes in under enormous pressure. They're nine and six now, I think, on this season, and and have had a difficult draw. It must be said, taking some big scalps, Leon. So. That's another big tick, isn't it, from um, from the Andrew Bassett-led board at St Kilda? Yeah, it is. And, um, I mean, so many things have to go right. I mean, last year you could see, even at the start of the year for St Kilda, mm. they had had a really poor pre-season. And I, can't, I don't care what anyone says. If you've had a poor pre-season mm. and you've got players that have had so many operations that don't run, um, and don't get the workload in them, you're always going to have an inconsistent year. And we've seen that. Up. And so think yeah. about Melbourne in 18 to 19. So they pay, pay a premium. And in 19, they have, I think it was about 18 people going for surgery. Yeah. They can't run until the end of January. They can't get the synergy of training. And so they're all of a sudden, they're, they're on their back foot. That's what happened to St Kilda in last year. They finally have a really good pre-season, um, and things are heading in the right direction. Their win last week... You don't get that win last week if their players are not playing for their coach. Yeah. 
you don't get that win. That was a wonderful win. Like the amount of uh, resilience they showed to win that game. And look, it's a wonderful game today. Again, they play, play Freeman. It's a fantastic game later on this afternoon. And so, um, yeah, I'm wrapped for rats. He's a, he's a ripping person. He's always good. Um, you know, he's just a, he's a good, honest person. Knows how to coach, but he's a good, honest person that knows how to be a really good bloke. Mm. There was one aspect I was watching that game last week, and I'm awful to watch a game of footy with. It takes me four hours to watch a two-hour game rewinding and whatever. <laughs> Leon, I would say Paddy Ryder in the last couple of seasons is as important to St Kilda yeah. as Shane Mumford was to Absolutely. GWS. It's funny, every time we had Mumford, we would be, we would be in every game. That's because the players, other, than, other than other than the games, <laughs> yeah, that there was a fear the games, factor I there, to, Leon. <laughs> I had to wheel him out in a wheelchair. Yeah. <laughs> I made him back in a wheelchair factor. once, Tim. <laughs> he, Just he, leave your crutches on the fence he created, as you run out. He yeah. created a pathway for all of our young mids. He was he was an unbelievably good but player. But I didn't realise how much Paddy does it but, as well. I think well, Paddy does it in a way that allows Marshall to still be himself, mm. and he does it in a way where. There's some, some um, unbelievable brilliance. Like his ruck work is still first class. Yeah. And so, and and he's a he's a really good person too, Patty, and they love him. So, he's got that aura about him that then all of a sudden Jones and Steele and these guys, Ross, love playing with him. Yeah. I'm not cutting you off again, Leon, but we do need to get to a break. Back with plenty more on crunch time. Stack still did. to get to. Stay with us. Time. Welcome back, Leon Cameron, Dermot Brereton, Luke Hodge, Sam Edmund with you for Crunch Time. And we are gearing up for the games today with big thanks to Dometic. Go on your next adventure, Dometic.com. It might be a four seasons in one day sort of a job here at the MCG. We've had rain, we've had, we've had cloud cover, and now we've got some sunshine over the home of football. The AFL record is out this week as well. Don't forget to check that out. Are the Suns setting two narrow losses? The season on the line for the Suns as they prepare to take on Richmond tonight. And the sure thing, uh, the record is catching up with Collingwood legend Tony Shaw, who is the central figure in a new play about to open in Melbourne. There you go. Tony Shaw, Tony Shaw. adapted in theatre. Are you in that? <laughs> what would you I've be, been acting up, know? but no, I'm what not would in... you be? What would your role be in a play? Oh, Tony Shaw. I'd, 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 I'd think I'd come out in a black cloak. <laughs> With a knife in hand. <laughs> Freddy Krueger. <laughs> and with some sand and you just have the line of the sand in the middle of the, the stage. Oh, right? yes. A bit, a bit of flame. Yeah. Good on, Shory. One of the most lovable characters. And I still say, in, in terms of what you want from a captain, oh. the greatest captain I have played against. Yep. The bounce back is for Dura Veg, providing erosion control and environmental revegetation. Well, they're about to take the field in front of us here shortly. North Melbourne had another difficult week, guys, and uh, they've lost their last 13 now by an average margin of just over 10 goals. Jeff Walsh is currently reviewing the club. The first match he witnessed was a 112-point demolition job at the hands of Geelong, and it's been another messy sort of a week with leaked emails from prominent Coterie members and... 
and uh, all sorts of inflammatory words being thrown around. At the end of the day, Leon, um, David Noble is in a really, really difficult position here if we continue our conversation around coaches who are, who are living under the microscope, if you like. Yeah, and I look, I feel for, for Nobes, it's just such a tough position to be in, clearly, because, you know, you've got someone that's come in what, two weeks ago to do a review, Jeff Walsh, um, and so when you talk about review and then everyone knows about it and someone's come from external, you think, okay, well, we're bringing someone in because something's not right. And you, you, you pointed out 13 games lost. I mean, they're not playing well as a footy team. But but you've got to be careful in these reviews. Is It's just because the coach is the head person, he stands out um, amongst that footy club, you can't just be reviewing the coach. You've got to look at the coach. Yep, is he, is he doing some things really well? What's his methodology like? How's he teaching? Um, what's his game plan? Um, has he got the players? Is the spirit there? But then you've got to move on to other aspects of your footy club because it's not just the coach that you look at when you have 13 losses like this. And that's the hard thing that David would be sitting here thinking, going, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Well, we've got a game this week. Um, how do we perform against Collingwood? We've been blown away every game by about 45, 50 points every game. How do I make it as competitive as I possibly mm. can? I've got such a young team. I've got some young players that are out of form. It's a real interesting spot. I, I vividly remember uh, in my very first year, it was round seven and eight. Um, we got beaten by West Coast Eagles over in Perth. Got beaten by 100 points. And then Toby Green had that incident off the field and we had to suspend him for five weeks. Then we even played Richmond the next game and beaten by another 100 points. So this is seven games into my tenure as a senior coach. And, and we then, um, there was a board meeting called. This one might be the my coach had sacked uh, after seven games. I might be gone. And Sheeds was fantastic. Sheeds was still be participating as the footy club, and he sort of said, "Listen, he sort of loosened it up a little bit. He said, look, 'Look, haven't you had a couple of bad weeks in a row? This is what you got to do: stay settled, all this sort of stuff. Don't panic.'" And Sheeds calmed the footy club down really well. We then came to play Hawthorne here on a Sunday afternoon at four forty, and Hawthorne on top of the ladder. Can it be a third 100-point loss? And we're in strife. And so what I'm getting at here is we changed our style of play a little bit to go into the game and saying we're going to scrap and bite and fight. We're going to play skinny side footy. We're going to make them earn everything. We're going to cover the corridor. We're going to do this. We're going to move the ball in a manner that Hawthorne don't want. Okay? And two minutes to go, we were in front against Alderman, the greatest upset ever. And then from there things turned around for our footy club in terms of, boys, what did you get out of that game? They beat us, but we took it up to the Premiers that year. But every contest that we went into, we scrapped and bit and fought, and we made them earn every kick that they could get. Are you a believer in the it's never as bad as it is made out to be and you're never quite as good as you yes, are made I'm, out to I'm be? Yes, I'm a big believer of that statement. Um, but clearly right now, it's... It's, it's really tough at the Kangaroos because those losses 13 times in a row are really hard. The question I probably have is sometimes you can be really stubborn and say, no, nah, we're just sticking to process. We're going to play this way because I know in 2024, 2025, when North Melbourne's young kids come through, we're going to be playing this way all the time. Or is there times throughout the year where you've just got to put a stake in the ground and say it's on for a fight? And we've got to earn a little bit of credibility and respect back and a bit of belief back in your club over the next couple of weeks. Win or lose, 
it's done in a manner where we're in the game for the full four quarters. And if you vividly remember when they went up to Sydney about eight weeks ago, yeah. and they nearly beat the Swans. Yeah. Their pressure and their attack on the footy was awesome. If they can replicate that sort of today to sort of just ease the drums that are beating at the moment and get a little bit of belief back into the club, not only does David Noble walk away saying, yep, I'm the right man, um, he shows Jeff Walsh, this is what we can do, and in the next three or four weeks, can they have really either salute and win a game or can they have really good honourable losses knowing that these players are playing for the coach and he knows what he's doing when he's delivering stuff throughout the week. So it's a huge decision to make about this game because of all the noise that's happening again this week with their footy club. That, that's the big thing for me is that game style, especially when you lose a handful of games by 40, 50 points, that's when you need to start to tweak and realise that taking the game on from the half-back line through the corridor, you can't defend. If you turn the ball over, you can't defend like that. And with a young team, your confidence can get flattened pretty quickly. Um, and I think Nobes' mindset is this is how we want to teach these guys to play because this is how teams win premierships. But you've got to do it with a list can't, that can maintain that kind of game style for, for the whole game. At, at the moment, they, they've, they've got young kids who are learning AFL, trying to play game style that Melbourne can play or the Brisbane Lions can play by taking the game on through the middle, hitting these tough kicks. And what you find is they're turning the ball over, it's slingshot up the other end, and then they lose confidence for the next time to try and hit those kicks. And as you said about putting team pressure on the ball movement, to move the ball so you can defend. It's the old saying is mm. move the ball in a manner to attack, attack in a manner to defend. They're not, they're not attacking in a manner they can defend behind the ball once they turn it over, which is hanging out their, their young defenders. Um, unfortunately, from all the rumours, we sort of spoke about it before that at some stage, media are onto one coach to the next. Um, last year it was Bucks, then it went to Clarko, and then Clarko went, and then this year it's sort of been following around. Now it's Stewie's re-signed. It's been on Nobes for a while, and unfortunately, if you if you believe everything that you're hearing, it might be too late for him to, to change the game style for him to keep his job. It's a hard one, isn't it, Hodgie? Because, you, like, I mean, clearly this game here, you come up against a side that's won seven in a row, and they're playing some really good footy. But they play a brand of footy similar to Richmond that is scrappy. Um, they love the scramble. I, I, if I'm sitting in that position, the Kangaroos, I'm probably going, well, I, we have to make some tweaks this week. Because you're right, if we continue to go down the path and try to come through the middle of the ground that much, it becomes dispiriting when the turnovers happen that much and it goes over your head and goes through the goals. And, and that happened, I learnt that early uh, in my career as a coach going... Well, we've been we're biting off a little bit too much, and the spirit that gets sapped when the opposition win it back, and then they just score straight away. Boys just walk back to the centre bounce with their heads down. Whereas if it's a long drawn out nine ten minutes between goals, and there's a fight, and it's backwards and forwards, and there's another ball up, and there's a boundary throw in, and there's a scrap, and there's a fight. The spirit then gains from from your young team. They yeah. like the fight, and so. And if you look, you have at, to play with belief. You have to because if you don't have it, it doesn't matter what game plan you have. If you don't have belief out there that you can actually take it to the opposition, then the scoreboard will blow out. So if we do and our own, it's a 15, 20 second review on them. I'm looking at them and I think the team they put out in the ground this week. There's some talented kids in there, but in terms of talent for 22, 
They're the 18th in the comp. Yep. What they're putting out there. Now, David Noble can't say to the media, guys, we've, we're fielding the, yeah. the 18th best team yeah. each week yeah. and you, you want us to win. Yeah. We want to win. But I can't win with this 18th best rank. He can't say that. But the fact is, for whatever the reasons are at recruiting, injury, players that they've gathered to the club who haven't come and delivered for what they expected, they just don't have the cattle running out onto the ground, which you can logically say somewhere of a 9 out of 10 effort, they will get the job done. They need to be a 99 out of 10 effort to get close. To get close. That's, and, and that's, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about that with the game style. I'm going back to 2000 and I think it was 2010. We changed our game style after round seven. And Clarko did not want to. He, he liked the open side, use the ball, switch it. He went from that to a long down the line because I think we were one and six at that stage. And because of the results on the scoreboard, because of the results on the ladder where we were sitting, he went against his gut feeling the way he wanted the game to be played because he realises that results mean so much in this business. And I think mm. that's where Nobes has to do that. You, you have to go away from this pretty style of football that, that he knows where the game's going to fit his game style around the young list that he has. And whether it's long down the line, get the numbers in and around the stoppage just so that they aren't getting whitewashed, you have to adapt to what you're going into the results that you've had over the last three, oh, ten weeks of football. Yeah, it's a whole of club issue at North Melbourne from the board of this agitation there all the way down through the executive and all the way down to the CEO. There's a, there's a, a, a many things to, to, to focus on for Jeff Walsh as part of his review, but in terms of the here and now and what we're about to see, that, he just needs something to hang his hat on, Your core he? business is football, yep. and that, is, can you, that means four points each weekend. Can your core business your core in business. football succeed if you haven't got the right pieces in place around the it football can't. club? So no. it's, a pretty, it's a pretty simple equation at the moment, and I think what we're doing is we're looking for all various areas. Yeah. Let's not overcomplicate it. They just aren't fielding a team which is not 18th best. Absolutely. It's 18th. You, you, you summed it up exactly right. Every weekend, they have the 18th best list to run out there every weekend. And Hodgie's summation of tweak it to adjust what you have right now to have more stronger performances, even though you're probably not going to win, and it's not the style you're going to be playing in three years' time to try to win finals or grand finals. But right now, that puts you in a far better position as a coach and a coaching staff going forward. Before we get to a break, we're talking the bounce back thanks to Juravedge. The ultimate bounce back this week resides at Hawthorne for mine. We haven't seen him since round uh, two, I don't think. He, in fact, he was training with a neck brace on at one stage, and that is the Hawthorne captain, Ben McAvoy. Huge boost for the Hawks. In, is it, well, it's a real flip of the coin game, Hodgie, against the Crows tomorrow. Yeah, and look, to be honest, it sounds weird. We're just talking about wins and losses, but I don't think a Hawthorne person cares whether they win or lose tomorrow in the result of seeing Big Boy, the skipper, get back out there. Because if, if you listen to how serious that injury was, mm. some, some doubted the, that he could ever get back playing again. And then if you saw it, we, we all saw the vision of him running laps with the neck brace on. You saw him doing some squats in the gym with a band around his head just trying to strengthen up his neck muscles and shoulders and whatnot. But to see a much-loved person of that football club and much-loved person of AFL in general because he's just an absolute ripper. The farm boy who, in his times off, goes and sits in a tractor with his kids. Um, to see him come back out and, and play a game of football again is, is the best result for, for Hawthorne after it has been a tough year for him. 
We're gearing up for all the action today. Thanks to Dometic, make your next adventure effortless with the Dometic Go collection. Just pack, stack and go. I wonder if COVID's still got a role to play in this season because it's well and truly hit the Brisbane Lions. Up here. Well, well, we're going to discuss it with Hodgie Derm. Don't, just, don't ruin the tease oh, after sorry, this break. Sorry. <laughs> Award-winning crunch time. Who needs a rever for Harley Heaven? The Harley Davidson Pan America is coming to Harley Heaven in Melbourne, Dandenong, and Ringwood. Visit HarleyHeaven.com.au for details. Let's talk about the lines when it comes to our Harley rev up, gentlemen. Because initially, Callum Archie, Kitty Coleman, Dan McStay, all out uh, under health and safety protocols. Yesterday, they added Harris Andrews to that list, and today, Noah Answorth is also out with COVID. And it comes with Daniel Rich, Dane Zorko, Jared Berry all injured. What chance the Bombers for a sneaky result on Sunday? Well, I don't. It's probably not sneaky now, mm. Sam. I think it's probably an even game. I mean, that amount of players out of your team in the space of one week yeah, is very, very hard to cover. Not. A, I mean, I think Fags has also missed the most of the week as well. He's been in COVID. He comes out Friday. Yeah, right. So he had it as well. So um, once it gets in there, doesn't it? I mean, it's yeah. I mean, you look at it: Zorko, Berry, and Rich out injured. On top of Andrews, they're all regulars, and Coleman game, not just last week but the last month. He's an outstanding halfback flanker. So their two best halfback flankers are out now. Coleman and Rich. So then how do they get that runoff halfback? How do they pierce their way through the middle of the ground which we know that they can? So I think it's now an even game and if, you know, Essendon a massive chance to have an upset. It, it is an enormous onus now on Lockie Neal and yeah. Jared Lyons mm. as the two midfield leaders to actually get the job done. Uh, McLuggage is obviously getting better each time he runs out onto the field. So count him in as, as a third in the midfield leadership. Marcus Adams becomes the number one premier defender down back. Uh, can they be challenged by Essendon's forward line, Peter Wright and the, and the likes down there? Um, I've still got targets up forward. Joe Danaher, the ex-bomber. I, I still f- feel the names I'm seeing on paper can get the job done against mm. the Bombers. Mm. But the Bombers seem to be one of these emotional teams that if, if the package... If they blow hot. Yeah, yep. if the package gets up and running <laughs> and the crowd join in, the emotions run high and they ride that mm. wave. They seem to be more a rider of that wave than most other teams. So if you, I think if Brisbane can stifle that and take that away from them. But having said that, Sydney did that early last week as well. Yes. and they, But they still worked their way back into it. Yeah, well done, the Bombers. They, yeah, they're exciting to watch. Yeah, can they frank it this week? Uh, you turn your daily commute into a daily thrill-seeking adventure at Harley Heaven, Melbourne, Ringwood and Danny Nog. Our best texter of the day is Susan. Congratulations, Susan. You texted in a short time ago to say, terrific, and hasn't it been, to hear Leon Cameron's views. Love Dermot. She hasn't mentioned it here, but I'm sure she loves Hodgie as well. But she says of Derm, never forget his mark in the 89 grand final that he took in the first quarter after being poleaxed by Mark Yates, went back and kicked the goal. An amazing player. Well done, Susan. 
shoes and you brought Why a smile to the so door. nice people to remind you of when you just got cracked up, <laughs> split open. I get the feeling you get reminded of that a yeah, bit. Uh, you won a Spinalese pillow, Susan. Well done. It aligns your head and neck for a great night's sleep. 100% Australian made, of course. You'll love it. Vin, Good on you, Susan. Good on you, Susan. Visit spinalezde.com.au. For now, though, it's time for a little dabble. Enjoying Crunch Time Banter? Check out Dabble Banter channels and copy Crunch Time Bets. Go on, have a dabble. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Of course, and when we dabble, we go to Joshy Jeans. Joshy, a pretty rough weekend, it must be said, for the team last week. Well, to be fair, I mean, you've been coming off so many winners. I thought it was uh, you were going against the odds of being a punter. But, yeah, unfortunately, last week wasn't the best result for the team. And having said that, though, your Sunday multi only missed by one leg. So still... Still positive signs, Sammy. Indeed. Close enough, not good enough. Let's change the subject for a moment there. What else has been happening in the Dabble app? Uh, well, former Coleman medal winner, Scotty Cummins, one of the great men of footy, uh, he hit a rocket bet on Sunday. He had Brody and both to combine for 55-plus disposals, and that went for $3.70, so a great result there. And tonight, he's got Sinclair and Brody to combine for 60-plus. That's $2.75. I reckon that's pretty decent value. That is good value. Now, like Sydney did last night, Josh, they hit back hard. So I reckon we can do the same. What what have the crunch time team got for today, mate? Well, let's be honest. North have been no good. They've lost by an average of 47 points. That's going to continue tonight. Pies by 40 or more. Uh, The Suns to get up as well. Uh, The St Kilda to get over the Dockers, which is going to be an interesting game. So, I mean, tight one, but you've got to go into 50-50. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, the power over the uh, Giants there. What do you like in there, Sammy? I think Port, good one. Saints under the lid. Yeah. They're hard to beat there. The one that's the slippery slope for mine, the yeah. Suns against Richmond. A bit of a mojo back at Tigerland. It's a big game for both clubs. So that flip a coin on that one, I reckon. Yeah. We've got Derm's bets here as well, Josh. So we know here he we likes go. to take a forensic <laughs> look at things. So strap yourself in for this. Okay, steel side bottom, 20-plus disposals. I reckon you like that win. Now, he's gone Love Richmond it. to win by 1-39 to 39 against the Suns. And he likes Jack Higgins, 2-plus goals for the Saints. Oh, I don't mind that at all. Love that, in fact. Uh, and, of course, you can easily copy those bets with one click, Sammy. All you have to do download, download the app, follow the Crunch Time AFL team, follow Demi23 and go and have a dabble, dabble socially and gamble responsibly. Make sure you check out the Dabble Why Banter not? channels and copy Crunch Time bets. Go on, have a dabble, gamble responsibly. 1-800-858-858. I can't Leon. believe it. Steel Sidebottom is one of the best mud runners their game's ever seen. <laughs> and it's going to be wet here today. There's a little bit of blue sky now, but he will just rack it up yeah. here today. Leon, great to have you in. Um, you always held yourself amazingly well when the pressure was at its highest when you were coaching, but uh, you have been great to have you. I'm sure you're appreciating your more relaxed sort of uh, day-to-day life at the moment. Less grey here now, yeah. Sam, but uh, great to discuss with Hodge and Love watching Hodge in and Derm go toe to toe. Better than sitting in the coach's box. Never at the gets moment, old. Isn't it, <laughs> yeah, those bloody midfielders <laughs> make out that they control the situation. Mate, a dime a dozen. Dime a dozen. <laughs> if one doesn't work <laughs> out, go. just go back to the tree and pick a new one off, Hodgie. I'm not sure what's more enjoyable, playing football or just stirring Derm, because you know he's going to get a bite every time. <laughs> I stir myself. Stay with us here on SEN. Uh, Collywood and North Melbourne, the full coverage thereof is coming up from right here at the MCG. Sammy Hargraves is about to take you through it with uh, Andy Marr as well. Leon Cameron's in the house. Great to have him here. Have yourselves a magnificent afternoon. Enjoy the footy. May your best. May your team win. See you, yes, soon. boys. 
G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.